Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Hey, what's good? This is another edition of the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. I am Blair Angulo. Happy holidays to everyone and happy new year as we approach 2021. We're going to be joined in a second by Brandon Huffman. He is the national recruiting editor for 24-7 Sports. We're going to get into JT Tuimoloau. He's the number one prospect in the 24-7 Sports rankings, has yet to commit, has yet to sign during the early signing period heading into the new year, and he's going to be one of the biggest recruitments to monitor in the weeks and possibly months to come. We're also going to get into some of the coaching moves out west. Arizona has a new coach. Boise State is looking for a new head coach. And then we're also going to talk about Auburn landing Brian Harson, who left the Broncos to take his talents to the SEC. Remember, if you're new here, please hit that subscribe button. Please rate us. Please review us. Leave a five-star review with your recruiting question. You've got a chance to have it answered on an upcoming mailbag episode. So without further ado, let's get to our guest. Joining us now on the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast is the national recruiting editor for 24-7 Sports, Brandon Huffman. Happy holidays, sir. How are you doing? I'm living the dream, Blair. How about you? I'm doing well. I'm sad that we're not in San Antonio, and that's tip- this is typically the week when you fly down to Texas Yes, you bring us all the goods from the Alamo Dome. I would normally be arriving in San Antonio, probably eating at... Torchy's Tacos on my way from the Uh, airport to downtown and then spending the week hooking up on the the patio of whatever brewery in San Antonio I'm at that night to do a podcast. You know, I, I, last year when we when we had our own podcast, the the West of the uh, the rest, we were talking about how in San Antonio you can miss the Alamo if you just walk by, and I, it happened to me once, right? Where I walked by the Alamo and I, I just kind of forgot about it. There's so much to do there, and obviously it's a big week for us because every year we get to go down there and check out the prospects, check out the you know the competition during the week and practices and then leading up to the all American bowl uh, on Saturday. And I think you're, so the, you're missing it for the first time in over a decade. I think I was having this conversation with my, my son and my daughter, my older ones that my oldest is 17. And my son is almost 15. And I think it was before he was even born. The last time I didn't go to an all American game and I pretty much have been gone either on New Year's or shortly after New Year's every year for a long time. So it's kind of weird not packing up, not having to cram all that stuff into one week in, in Christmas. Uh, you know, I'm used to being on the road, San Antonio. In the last few years, San Antonio, home for a few days before we go to Hawaii for Polynesian Bowl and don't even get that either. Yeah. Well, I was telling my wife, like, you know, I love you and everything, but I'm hoping that next year I'm ringing in the new year. Uh, down in Texas uh, yes. because it'll mean that things are back, you know, in, in a way to, to normalcy. Um, and one player that was set to play in that game, Huffman, is is JT Tuimolau, the five-star defensive lineman from the state of Washington. 
He, he's one of the top prospects in the country and one of the top recruits that we've covered in recent years. And he's still available after the early signing period. What is the latest on JT Tuimoloao? So with JT, he announced his top five on the first day of the early signing period. And by top five, I mean, it was his final five, a final five that includes Alabama, Ohio State, Oregon, USC, and then hometown Washington. And, you know, each of those five schools have a reason to think that, you know, they could get him. But realistically, this is a two-horse race, and it's not Pac-12 friendly. It's Alabama or it's Ohio State. I won't completely count out the three Pac-12 schools because you just never know with the West Coast kids, sometimes maybe they do decide they want to stay home. But really, this is a matter of Alabama and Ohio State. Oregon is still involved. USC is still involved. Washington's still involved, but not to the level that the Tide and the Buckeyes have. And obviously, both those schools have had a great recent track record of developing elite pass rushers, elite defensive prospects. Both have great coaches, either at the head coaching position and Nick Saban in Alabama or Larry Johnson as a defensive line coach. So this is a matter of Alabama, Ohio State. They're the top two recruiting classes in the 2021 class on 24-7 sports. And one of them is going to end up with the biggest prize of all, the number one player in the 24-7 rankings in JT. You know, you, you mentioned a two-horse race. Let's stay with that. I like horse race, and I've been to a couple of Santa Anita uh, exhibitions and, and, and all that. It, this, out of the gate, Ohio State always looked like the team to beat. Now, we're in that final stretch. We're in that last, that last turn before, you know, everything kind of riles up and everyone's getting off their seats and hats are coming off their heads. Alabama has made this, I think, tighter than maybe a lot of people expected. The confidence level right now for the Ohio State prediction on the crystal ball, according to you and Greg Biggins, the national recruiting analyst for 24-7 Sports, remains at a 1 from this, from, on the scale from 1 to 10. Now, this could go either way. And, you know, there, there are so many factors. When you look at Ohio State, what appeals to him the most? What, what makes him or what gives you the confidence that that's still maybe where he's leaning, even if it's very slightly? Well, there's a couple of things. Obviously, you look at Larry Johnson's track record when he was at Penn State with Tom Bahali, with Courtney Brown, and then when he got to Ohio State with Nick and Joey Bosa, with Chase Young most recently. And you look at the players that he's developed and the players that he's coached at Ohio State. You also look at his teammate at Eastside Catholic, G. Scott Jr., You've got Emeka Egbuka, who signed with the Buckeyes this year. And Emeka, one of the last things he said when he committed was, me and G are going to get JT to Ohio State. And that was one of the first times in kind of in recent year, in recent weeks where I started to think, hey, Ohio State's regaining the momentum because Alabama had made such a huge run, and largely because of Nick Saban. You know, this is one of those weird recruitments where – the primary coach recruiting JT is the offensive coordinator, Steve Sarkeesian, who's got ties in the Northwest from the five years he was the head coach at Washington. But really, Nick Saban has been the one primarily recruiting JT for the last couple months. So, you know, when you put Nick Saban against just about anybody, that usually portends to be in the favor of Alabama. But Ohio State does have things working in their favor with Larry Johnson's track record of pass rushers from Penn State at Ohio State. And now you throw in a couple familiar faces at Ohio State with Emeka Egbuka and his former Eastside Catholic teammate, G. Scott Jr., and the Buckeyes have reason to believe. The one thing that Ohio State doesn't have going for them, that's the only school in his final five he has not visited. He visited Alabama going into his sophomore year when he camped down there, sat in Nick Saban's office, and was offered by Saban during that camp. Ohio State's the only school he's yet to see of his final five. 
You know, th- this one is very interesting because in a normal year, I feel like we would have a lot more information and, and JT would have a lot more information. And I don't know if he would be dragging this out as much as he would. Uh, are we still expecting him to sign in, in February? Are you hoping that, that at some point he comes off the board? Or is this still one of those things where he's thought about continuing to maybe push things back and, 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 and kind of weigh things depending on how his own season un- unravels? I don't necessarily think it's going to be Zach Evans type recruitment where it goes until, you know, April, but I also wouldn't be surprised if it did go well past February. I think because of his inability to see Ohio state with the lack of a spring evaluation period, lack of a spring official visit period, a summer and a fall visit period, he really does want to go see Ohio state before he makes a decision. He's been to Alabama, but his family's never been to Alabama and nobody in the family has been to Ohio state. So I think this thing will go on well past the February signing day, and this could go into April. It could be, you know, as soon as the NCAA says, hey, we're going to open things up April 16th with the dead period going to April 15th. Although I think that's even being optimistic that the NCAA will open things up. I think this is going to still take a couple months yet because I still think there is a desire by JT to get out and see those five schools, and at minimum, see Ohio State and Alabama again because those have been the two schools that either he hasn't visited or he visited the longest time ago of his five finalists. So, yeah, I I don't think this thing's going to wrap up by February. I could see this going into April, if not longer. So it looks like a two-horse race for JT Tuimulawao, the five-star defensive lineman from the state of Washington. We're in that final stretch of this of this horse race uh but it's gonna be you know maybe a photo finish if we're gonna continue with the with the analogy uh we're gonna be back here with more uh from brandon huffman on the 24 7 sports football recruiting podcast i'm sandra and i'm just the professional your small business was looking for but you didn't hire me because you didn't use linkedin jobs linkedin has professionals you can't find anywhere else including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role like me in a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We are back on the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. I am Blair Angulo, joined by Brandon Huffman. You can follow him on Twitter at Brandon Huffman. He is the National Recruiting Editor for 24-7 Sports. And uh, we're, we're getting old, Huff. I was going to text you this, but I, I might as well bring it up here. My present for Christmas, and I don't know if Santa brought it or not, but I got one of those therapy mas- massage guns. And oh, a Theragun? A Theragun. Uh, and, and this is not a, an advertisement or anything, but I got one of those things, and, and that was a clear indication that I just added another year to my life. Dude, when you first reached out to set up a time for the podcast, I was out looking for a new office chair because I needed something that's better for good posture and one that's got more lumbar support. Because when you get to my age, you start hurting just by sitting. 
And I was even looking at those things that the young kids are doing these days, the gaming chairs, which are supposed to be good for sitting at a computer for long periods, which we get to do in this job. So yes, Blair, we, we both have hit that age where the excitement of a Theragun or an office chair are about peak Christmas season. Well, you know, last year I upgraded and I got one of those standing desks uh, mm. and it's motorized. So I, it's, you know, I can press a button and it goes up to a preset and I'm standing in less than 20 seconds. I do need a new chair though. So I'm going to have to maybe get some, some feedback from you, but I did get one of those massage therapy guns. Uh, I, I've only tried it for a few minutes. I can recommend it. And uh, hopefully I'm standing up a lot more on seven on seven fields, on practice fields at high school games on the sidelines. And I can put that to use after, uh, you know, because th- those are hard days when we're out on our feet at, at camps for hours and hours and then catching a flight right after. So a very good gift that I got. So we'll see, but it, it did remind me that I'm a little older. Um, and, you know, speaking of changes, um, there's, there's been some changes in college football last week, uh, Steve Wilfong, the director of recruiting for 24 seven sports was on this show to discuss Clark lead to Vanderbilt and Brett Bielma to Illinois. You're here to discuss a couple of moves out West. Let's start in the state of Arizona, the Arizona Wildcats, uh, dismissed, Kevin Sumlin, after the season, they had an embarrassing loss to in-state rival ASU. They replaced him with Jed Fish, who was the quarterback's coach at the New England Patriots, also has a long track record and, and a long resume in the college game. You know, if we go over to the, to the Arizona message board on 24-7 Sports, not the most popular hire, but I will say this. Jed Fish has a lot of charisma. He has some you know some knowledge of what it takes to to recruit the west coast and in his introductory press conference he said he's got to find a way to win in the state of arizona and that's one thing that i think he checks off because you need to be able to recruit and and get some players from within the state's borders to stay closer to home and then the other thing was um you know he's got to win some games against asu and i think he recognizes that those two things go hand in hand Yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of scrutiny being placed on him because he maybe wasn't on a lot of boards. He wasn't on a lot of, you know, probably people's expectations to be hired as a head coach. But he is a guy who has been around the college game for a while. You know, he was at UCLA a few years ago. Before that, he was at Michigan. He was at Miami. So he's been at some schools that have key rivalries at schools that have had the understanding that you've got to win this big game against your rival and you've got to be able to recruit to outperform your rival, whether it was at UCLA coaching against USC, whether it was at Michigan, where they were coaching against Urban Meyer and Ohio State when he was at Miami. Obviously, Florida State and Miami have a longstanding rivalry. So I think he's you know understanding and familiar with the fact that you've got to be able to recruit and you've got to be able to, you know, really, when you look at the three schools that he's been most recently, those are schools that for the most part, either are in a fertile recruiting ground with UCLA being in California with Miami being in Florida or in a key region with Michigan being in the Midwest where they're trying to be kind of the alpha in recruiting in the Midwest. So now he goes to Arizona where there may not be as plentiful of recruits in the state compared to some of the other states that that are out in the Pac-12 footprint. But Tucson has been bleeding. I mean, you cover the state of Arizona. The the state of Arizona has been seeing players flock 
and, and flee forever. What was it two weeks ago when you had the Big 12 and the Pac-12 championship game? There were four Arizona quarterbacks playing in the Pac-12 and Big 12 championship game, and not one of them was playing for Arizona or Arizona State. So the state of Arizona has been bleeding when it comes to keeping those key players in states. They're leaving especially at the quarterback position, whether it was, you know, Chubba Purdy or Brock Purdy or Spencer Rattler or Tyler Shuck or Keaton Slovis. And, you know, Arizona's got a quarterback this year in the 2022 classes committed to USC. So one thing that Fish can help is keep those kids in state and maybe get them to Arizona. He's got a track record of coaching a lot of high profile quarterbacks in college, in the NFL. Maybe that is something that keeps those Arizona quarterbacks staying, but it's also something that he's got to build a staff that has West coast ties that has PAC 12 ties that keeps the other players at other positions in the state of Arizona in their backyard. I mean, how many times has Tucson lost a player Arizona lost a player from Tucson to another Pac-12 school. That's something that he's going to have to emphasize is how do we stop the the bleeding close to home and then throughout the rest of the state and then just the Pac-12 in general and that Pac-12 footprint, keeping those kids interested in Arizona for something other than basketball. Yeah, in this 2021 class, Ty Thompson, the the highly rated quarterback, is headed to Oregon. Kai Milner, also from the Phoenix area, is headed up to Cal. So there's a couple of players there in the Pac-12 footprint that are within the state's borders that are leaving the state to play for for the competition. Those are those are players you're going to face, uh, you know. So I think Jed Fish, for the most part, he, he's going to have to be very energetic to, to start it's going to be a hard sell to recruit some of these players early on. You can't flip guys from maybe their thought process or how they view Arizona without winning games on the field and actually showing a good product and a change in culture and a change in scheme and just a winning mentality. So you've got to be able to win before you're able to attract the top prospects. But you have to get in there by staying on them and being energetic. So I think that's going to be his first order of business. And, and like you said, hire a really good staff that is out there hitting the ground hard and, and making sure that they are trying to keep all the top players in state. So that's going to be an interesting one because we talk a lot about the state of California. We talk a lot about the state of Utah, especially out West. Nevada has a really good 2022 class. And those are guys that we're going to be talking about for the next few months, but Arizona. And now it seems like every year is producing over 40 prospects that are at least three stars, according to 24 seven sports composites. So there's a lot of talent in the state and, you know, Arizona, unfortunately for them, they only had one player signed with them in the early signing period from the state of Arizona. And he was ranked number 19 in the composite. So it's going to be very interesting to see what Jetfish is able to do in Tucson. Further up north, Boise State lost Coach Brian Harson over to Auburn. Let's start with, with that because I feel like there's enough body of work of what he did in Boise to suggest that this wasn't just a Chris Peterson reboot. You know, obviously he kept a lot of the same um, methods and the same thought process and the way to evaluate, but I think he was far enough detached that he proved that he was very capable of taking a job in the SEC and taking a marquee job in the SEC. What do you think his ceiling is as a recruiter for the Auburn Tigers? I've made this comparison for a number of years now that Boise State basically is the Gonzaga of football when it comes to the West, where Boise State would win its share of recruiting battles over Pac-12 schools 
and you weren't surprised anymore. Maybe early on, 15 years ago, when Dan Hawkins was still there, when Chris Peterson was getting started, you were still surprised when Boise State won a recruiting battle. But as we've gotten over the last few years, we've seen a number of Pac-12 recruits have half the Pac-12 recruiting them, and they still go to Boise State, whether it was Brett Rippin in the 2015 class, whether it was, you know, more recently, guys like J.R. Skinner, Hank Bachmeyer. You know, he has been able to really capitalize on Boise State's status as a football program, as one of the premier group of five programs. But it also showed that, you know, he could have gone after guys that were more low-hanging fruit and not tried to go and win key recruiting battles and go after the guys that maybe Boise State had a more realistic chance at. Now he's going up against arguably the greatest dynasty in college football over the last 20 years and certainly over the last 15 years since Nick Saban's gotten there in Alabama. So intimidation cannot be a part of the package there. Harson had to take that job knowing just how hard it was to recruit against his in-state foe, let alone the rest of the SEC. But this is a guy who has shown that he's okay recruiting against the big boys, maybe against schools that more realistically should be getting the players that Harson was getting at Boise State. So I think he's got a lot of potential to recruit well at Auburn. Obviously, the downside is that the majority of his time, other than, you know, a couple of assistant coaching stops at Texas or at Arkansas State, have been out west. So there isn't the, the familiarity or the comfort with schools in the south or with high school programs in the south because he just hasn't really recruited down there. But Boise State has recruited Florida. Boise State's recruited Texas. Boise State recruited the West Coast. So Harson still has ties into three regions that he was able to recruit and pull guys to Boise. Now imagine trying to sell those same regions to the SEC. So I think that, you know, given that he's one of the few coaches in the SEC who's got extended time out West, obviously Mike Leach had time out West, Lane Kiffin as well. But I think given Harson's experience as a head coach out West, it's going to be a little easier for him to recruit the West Coast at Auburn than maybe it was for Gus Melzahn or Gene Chizik prior to him. Let me pose you this question. It's pretty general. It's pretty broad. And, and I'm just very interested to hear kind of your thoughts on this. Do you feel like it's, it's more difficult to go from a Boise State to an Auburn from a recruiting standpoint and, and maybe broadening your recruiting pool? Or would it be easier to go the other way and, and maybe go from an Auburn to a Boise where then it diminishes and it kind of minimizes uh, the recruiting pool, the talent pool, you're only going after a specific recruit. Uh, I mean, there are a lot of challenges there when that pool expands and you have to, like you said, fight off some of these other SEC schools or battle it out for, for the five-star prospect instead of that borderline three-star that you know could, has the potential to be an NFL player. Yeah, I mean, obviously you look at what Chris Peterson did when he got to Washington and how he was able to recruit at Washington, going toe-to-toe with a lot of those recruits and those schools that he was going toe-to-toe, but now he was doing it with a Washington logo on his chest as opposed to a Boise State logo on his chest. And I think Harson's going to have that going for him where he's going to realize it's easier to sell Auburn to a kid from Florida and to Texas and from Texas to maybe it is to sell Boise State because there is still that mentality and mindset you know, Division One football is Division One football, but we have the group of five, we have the Power Five, and if you're not being recruited by a Power Five school, then maybe you're you don't you're not as good as you think. And so, I think he's going to find it's a little easier to recruit to Auburn, even if it is standing in the shadow of Alabama in state, even if it is having to go against recruits against schools like Georgia and Florida and Tennessee and other SEC schools. I think 
there are obviously some disadvantages to Auburn being that there's so many other SEC schools that have to recruit against. But I think in the case of Harson, there's so many advantages where you're not convincing a kid to come to the mountain West and play a game at nine o'clock on a Thursday night or at eight o'clock on a Saturday night, you're playing in the SEC where those games are all on prime time or all during the day. And everybody's watching it. And you look at, you know, Super Bowl MVPs from the SEC, NFL MVPs from the SEC. I think that advantage when you've been at a school like Boise State makes him just – the appeal is so much greater to a coach like that because now he realizes he's got many more advantages in his back pocket to recruit a kid. I think the flip side is a lot of times we see this in basketball where a coach maybe has been at a Power 5 school or a high major program, then he goes to a mid-major program, and given their track record, you think recruiting would be that much easier – but it isn't. I mean, look at Jim McElwain. He was at Colorado State. He was trending upward, went from Colorado State to Florida. Now he's at Central Michigan, and recruiting isn't as easy to Central Michigan. is isn't as re- easy to a group of five schools. Using another Auburn example, Terry Bowden. When Terry Bowden was at Auburn, he had an undefeated season there. Now, then he was at Akron. I think now he's at Louisiana Monroe. It's a lot easier to recruit to those bigger schools than it is to the smaller schools, and there's also the budgetary differences there's also the the staff differences the, the the size of your staff that you don't have to worry about when you're at an SEC school compared to when you do at a group of five school and I think that that's something that more coaches would rather go up rather than take the high power power five job and go to a group of five because there's so many more disadvantages when you're at a group of five school I think it's going to be very interesting to monitor and I think that's a big part of of how he's going to grade out right it's going to be looking and dissecting the recruiting class looking at at the success that he's doing uh when he's going up against the the alabamas and the floridas and the georgias in some of these recruiting battles i think it's going to be very uh i think enlightening to be able to kind of dissect and look at that very closely huff before we let you go uh, on the flip side boise state now has to find its next head coach we're hearing a lot about kellen moore who's the offensive coordinator for the dallas cowboys we're also hearing a lot about andy avalos the defensive coordinator for the oregon ducks those are two boise state alums uh what kind of coach do they need do they need to continue this path of, of the chris peterson and 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 being the premier group of five program and being able to beat out some of the lower end Pac-12 schools for talent? Um, or do they need to maybe reinvent some things and, and change things up? Well, I think there is the possibility that a reinvention is the best thing moving forward. And I think we saw that in the weeks leading up to Brian Harson's departure, where reports about his emails to the Boise State president were becoming made public about their desire to get out of the Mountain West and maybe join the American Athletic Conference, maybe go somewhere where, you know, there's a more high profile conference. I mean, for the last couple of years, people have been saying the American Athletic Conference is the best group of five program or group of five conference. And you look at UCF, you look at Memphis, you look at, you know, this year with Cincinnati, their recent champions have been the schools that have gone to the New Year's Six Bowls. So I think that maybe this is the perfect time that you bring in a new head coach and then you explore the move to go to the American, if you're Boise State, to reestablish yourself as the premier group of five program. I mean, over the last 15 years, you can say without question, Boise State's been the best group of five program for the past 15 years. But can we say that over the past five years? 
You know, when you have a UCF, when you have a Memphis, when you have a Cincinnati, it's not been since 2014, Brian Harson's first year, that Boise State made it to a New Year's Six Bowl. So maybe this is something that they need, that new coach to help reinvent that. I think with Kellen Moore and Andy Avalos, you can't go wrong with either. You have one guy who has proven that, you know, he's been able to coach at Boise State and then coach at Oregon and have success as a coach, as a recruiter, like Avalos has, but at the same time, you have your Tim Tebow, your Vince Young. That's what Kellen Moore is to Boise State. I mean, yes, Ian Johnson, Jared Zabransky were before Kellen Moore even graduated high school. They're the ones with the, the iconic Fiesta Bowl win that really put Boise State on the map. But when you think Boise State, you play Ward Association. Let's be honest, Kellen Moore is the first name that comes to mind. And he's like, Adam Morrison is to Gonzaga, where it's been 10, 15 years. Gonzaga's better. Gonzaga's played for a national championship since, but you still picture Adam Morrison as being the face of Gonzaga. That's where Kellen Moore is for Boise State. And this isn't like a guy, with all due respect to the Jacksonville Jaguars or any of our people in Nashville that are Tennessee Titans fans, this isn't the quarterback coach of the Jags or the Tennessee Titans. This is the OC for the Dallas Cowboys. That might be the most high-profile coordinator position in all of sports. This is a guy who's been working right alongside Dak Prescott, who Jerry Jones spent silly money on last year to retain even as he replaced Jason Garrett as his head coach and brought in Mike McCarthy, who, by the way, has won a Super Bowl, it was with the caveat that I'm keeping Kellen Moore. Washington wanted to hire him. Jimmy Lake wanted to hire him. But Dallas and Jimmy jo- or Jerry Jones kept him there. So that tells you that Kellen Moore might have been nine years since he's last taken a snap in college football, but he is still a name that college football fans, that high school coaches – that college coaches, people remember, they recognize. And I think from just a, you know, this isn't, wouldn't be just a hire. Andy Avalos would be a great hire. Don't get me wrong. He would be a fantastic hire for Boise State. But Kellen Moore is the kind of hire that reverberates through football, not just through Boise State football, not just through the Mountain West, not just through college football, but all of football, because this is a guy that I think most people think is going to be a successful NFL head coach. Now imagine him bringing him and him coming back to his alma mater right at a time where Boise State's looking like they've outgrown the Mountain West and they're ready to go on and play at another conference. What a perfect time it would be for them to bring Kellen Moore into the fold. Kellen Moore, it would be a fantastic hire. And like you said, Andy Alvalos, I think, would also be a fantastic hire. And, and Boise State is, is definitely in one of those positions where even if they lose a head coach like a Brian Harson or, or a Chris Peterson, I feel like they have enough clout right now that they won't really skip a beat. And, and when you're talking about them from a recruiting standpoint, they have an identity they have a, a base, they have a, a, a floor in a way, right? Where they are able to go to a lot of different high schools, a lot of different programs out West, and they know that they will be uh, developing and they will be producing uh, NFL caliber talent. So Boise State, uh, moving on from the Brian Harson era. Huff, thank you so much for joining us. Happy holidays and enjoy the new year uh, at home, safe and away from San Antonio. I'll be taco-less this time, but, hey, it'll be good to spend some time with family, Blair. All right. That was Brandon Huffman. You can follow him on Twitter at Brandon Huffman. He is the national recruiting editor for 24-7 Sports. Thank you so much for tuning in. Later this week, we're going to do a preview of the All-American Bowl Declaration Day show, so you're going to want to tune into that. Uh, that'll do it for me. Blair Angulo, thank you so much for tuning in to the 24-7 Sports Football Review Podcast. New CBS Sunday. 
You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. When something is lost, everyone's looking for something. He finds it. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. How you survive, you make quick, smart decisions. You never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. New Sunday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+.